All right, well, hey, Dwarf Hope Northeast, it's Cameron here with you for another video update for the month of October or audio if you're listening on the podcast. Um, just a couple things. Uh, number one, if you didn't catch it, uh, we are doing a church-wide book club on the book Compassion and Conviction. You should see the links to sign up in the uh, church-wide newsletter or on our website. Uh, this is a book just about Christian civility and integrity as we try to navigate politics, <laughs> uh, particularly important in the season we're in right now, uh, but also really important for just life ongoing as people who live uh, in a really unique political situation in a representative democracy. And so um, we want to do that faithfully. We want to bring our whole Christian selves into that. And this book is a good way to help us think through that. So uh, it's not too late. If you want to get in on one of the small groups that's going to discuss, you get the book, start reading. Uh, and then we're going to meet up twice this month in, uh, at three different times in three different small groups um, to uh, discuss. So we invite you into that. And if you can't make the discussions or don't want to or whatever, uh, still would recommend the book to you. I think it's a good way to think through these things. Um, secondly, just wanted to note that um, we've kind of been in a rhythm with Sunday morning house churches. They're still going on. It looks like the weather forecast through October is going to allow us to continue to do that. Uh, but then probably starting in November, we'll kind of be shifting up our rhythms a little bit. And so the elders are still kind of planning and trying to decide exactly what it's going to look like as far as community groups and worship gatherings and house church and how all those things are going to work together. And so just wanted to give you a heads up. We know as, as winter hits, fall and winter, uh, and we're not able to be outside, it's going to force us to kind of shift our rhythms again as we still deal with COVID-19. So just want to give you a heads up that uh, as, as November gets closer and hits, that we will have some updates on uh, kind of what the rhythms of church life are going to look like for us. Uh, so just stay tuned. And by the way, if you're still not involved in a Sunday morning house church, you can still sign up. We'd still love to get you plugged in in one. They've been really beautiful, encouraging times uh, in the Lord lately. So um, still commend them to you if, if you're up for it. And that's it right now for sort of basic announcements. Um, we're going to spend the rest of this update a little bit differently. Uh, we recorded two different conversations previously that I want to just share with you and give you the chance to listen in on. Um, I'll introduce the first one and then I'll come back and introduce the second. This first one is just a conversation with Steely Cortez, who was actually baptized back in July. He was Dorf Hope Northeast's first baptism. And so we just wanted to give you that story and let you hear a bit about what was going on and what that was like, hear a bit of his testimony, and hope that you'll be encouraged by the work that the Lord's been doing in his heart. And so uh, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Steely. Here you go. Well, hey, Door of Hope Northeast. It's Cameron, and I'm joined here with Steely Cortez, uh, who was recently baptized. Mm -hmm. You are our, our first and thus far only <laughs> baptism at Door of Hope Northeast, which is super exciting. What an honor. Yeah. So we just thought, so obviously it's COVID time, and they had a baptism uh, in early August that obviously weren't, weren't able to invite the whole church to, um, but they were able to do it with their house church and with some other people from around the church and beyond. Uh, but we just wanted to kind of come back to that and, and share kind of what happened in your story. Part of what's so special about baptism is that it's meant to be a public proclamation um, of someone placing their faith in Christ. And uh, it's meant to both be a significant moment for the person being baptized, but also a re-strengthening moment and a celebration moment for for other believers who, who get to be a part of that as well. And so this is our way in our weird time of uh, of getting to do that. 
um, to, to, to rebring what's happened for all of you. So, uh, Steely, give us give us the quick rundown of who you are and, and kind of your your world and your time spent at Dwarf Hope. Yeah, so Steely Cortez. Uh, I moved to Portland in 2017 and only recently um, started going to Door of Hope in September of last year. Um, I was essentially invited by my girlfriend at the time, now fiance. Perfect. Jules. Um, at the time, I wasn't a believer and um, I mainly was just going to see you know, what this whole church thing was about. I grew up in the Catholic Church, but my mom, I would say, was Protestant. I would say throughout high school, middle school, high school, and throughout my adult life, I probably was, at some points, atheist, and, but I would say always, um, my equilibrium, I felt, was always agnostic, hmm. I'd say. Yeah. And then, um, but over time, I would say that God has just, I think in hindsight, I've realized how God was always planting little, mm. little seeds in my life. Yeah, so I started going to Door of Hope, and I, I would say that, like, it was so different from mm. my understanding of the gospel, mm. my understanding of, of just what Jesus did, you know, and why he did it. But yeah, around, I'm trying to remember exactly when um, the idea of baptism started coming about, but um, I know we're like, I'm just, Gone. Yeah. So, uh, I think Josh White, when we were still together in Northeast and Southeast, um, he mentioned there was a baptism opportunity. And I remember, I think I was in Hawaii or couldn't make it. And I think that's whenever I, that was like on my radar. Hmm. And I remember asking Greg McAvoy and, and I was like, you know, when, when is going to be the next baptism? Um, just because I just wanted to go to one. I, I didn't yeah, necessarily sure. think that I was ready for that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, I would say around April, April, May is whenever it started to, like, really, like, I really felt God pressing into me. You know, one of the most dramatic interactions between Jesus and Peter, I feel like, in the in the Gospels is this moment where he pulls, he, he asks him a very pointed question, which is, look, who do you say that I am? Right. And after all this sort of pushing and prodding and ground being broken up and so forth, like t today, this is your baptism, what, what's your answer if Jesus were to ask you point blank, like, who do you say that I am? Um, I would say that he's my Lord and Savior and that 
he's creator of heaven and earth. Um, and that he's that he's God as a human being and he did something that I can't do alone (laughs) and um, that he is just graceful and I think the parable of the prodigal son kind of resonates with me in that like I left the house kind of through the back door and you know just got into debauchery (laughs) and um, when I realized you know like how empty I was and how wasteful I was and I was ready to come back home he didn't even hesitate Mm. and he just said let's celebrate (laughs) praise God man yeah and I think uh, yeah just his grace and his you know um the way like I don't have to earn his grace is something that um, really um, just I don't know it's hard for me to explain like it, it just is what motivates me more than anything to be to surrender fully to him yeah um, one other thing I wanted to ask was so for those that couldn't make it, for, for your baptism, um, you asked uh, Sam Fowles, <laughs> who's your community group leader, to, to do the baptism, which I was stoked about. I think that's beautiful. And like the idea, the idea that it doesn't have to be me as the lead pastor of this church <laughs> to, to be the one doing it, I think is a really powerful and necessary idea. Yeah. Um, you were in the top 10, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> But I, I just wanted to hear a bit about what made you uh, gravitate towards Sam mm. to ask him to do that. I think the, the community group in which he was, you know, him and Krista, um, and to some extent Ben and Katie, uh, opened their house, and uh, but they were the leaders of that group. And I think kind of what I was saying with just how graceful they are and how, like, open they were and how loving they were um, I think is um, made them kind of the natural made him the natural um, candidate I'd say and I think uh, he uh, and Krista along like we would go to their house and I feel as though like they've probably walked with me the closest or just like have um just been there like I've just going every single week you know they've been the ones who have really kind of been a shepherd almost you know and just have walked with me maybe just tell us uh what was the baptism like like actually on the day the Friday and Saturday was amazing, and I just was reflecting 
um, just what it what it meant to me and um, my relationship with Jesus. Um, just reflecting on that over the days prior and even the weeks prior. And so I think by the time um, Sunday rolled around, and it was like the day of, yeah, I just had this overwhelming sense of peace and gratitude and grace. Um, and I remember, I remember like being out in the water and I think Sam had said, like, look back onto the shoreline, you know, and that was such, like, I don't know, I was very, like, moved by that moment of just, like, seeing everyone who has all the seeds, you know, all the bridges that had been created by everyone, um, all my, you know, all these important relationships recently that have just helped point me and support me and just love me. And um, yeah, that was, that was such a powerful moment, you know, of just reflecting on um, all the different people, all the different conversations, all the different um, questions I'd thrown at them or, you know, just all the love that they, um, and grace that they've shown me hmm. and helping me like always pointing back to Jesus. I do want to share just like my favorite, one of my favorite parts yeah. that um, standing there and looking around and seeing how like our friends, our community group, our, essentially our church, you know, was coming together um, independently and just, yeah, it was just a special moment for like my friends to be there, you know, and um, interact with people with our church and just, I was just really humbled, yeah, you know, of just how we made it happen in the midst of COVID, in the midst of just like the chaos, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, That's amazing. Steely, thanks so much for taking the time to come and talk about this. Uh, man, just hearing about this baptism, super encouraging to me, and I trust that it's going to be super encouraging to the rest of our body that has a chance to listen to this, so thank you. Thank you. And we're excited to have you part of the community and stoked for what Jesus has been doing in your life, man. Amen. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you all. And it's so encouraging to hear from Steely. Um, the other conversation we wanted to loop you into uh, was a conversation I had with Hoshiman Brown, who leads Know Me Now, which is part of the Contingent, which is one of our new ministry partners. Um, uh, and so I want you to hear as Hoshiman explains kind of what they do. This is kind of our introduction to them as a church, uh, and specifically listen for their their ministry. They're calling Crews, where they put together teams of usually seven people who who form uh, a community that comes around a freshly released person who is incarcerated to help them navigate re-entry back into life after prison. Um, and for us, we just view this as such a beautiful opportunity for 
sub-communities at Door of Hope Northeast or community groups or whatever else uh, who, who have people who have the passion for this and the skills for this to join together to come and love and serve someone and help them find their footing back into uh, life uh, outside of prison. So uh, we view this as a massive opportunity both to tangibly serve and to build gospel relationship where we can both pragmatically and with our words communicate the love uh, of Jesus and, and the beauty of the good news um, and invite them into our community and uh, and see what the Lord does with that. And so um, I want you to hear, I'm excited for you to just get some time to hear from Hoshinan, hear what they do. It's an amazing ministry where it's just excited to see what the Lord does. And we'll, we'll follow up. There'll be more discussion of this later on. Uh, but for now, here is your intro to Know Me Now and uh, the wonderful things that they're doing in our city and how we can be involved. So here you go. Okay. I, I, th I think it's, yes. Okay. I've got the, it says recording. I think we're you good. got the light. I can see the light. Okay, great. You can see it too. Perfect. All right. Well, hey, Door of Hope Northeast. Uh, it's a big privilege and honor to be here with Hoshiman Brown. Hey, Hoshiman. Hi, how are you doing? How's it, How's everyone else doing? Let's hope they're doing well. I don't know. It's pretty crazy out there right now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, definitely. We are in the midst of some trying times. So yeah, definitely take care of yourself. Um, well, Hoshiman, uh, what, what, is it, what exactly is your title at Know Me Now? So my title um, at the contingent, which is the, uh, if you guys start looking for Know Me Now, just know that con the, the contingent is the actual nonprofit that I work for. Know Me Now is the initiative that I'm leading. And my role and my title is the director of Know Me Now. Director. Okay. Yes. Um, well, we've, we've mentioned in a previous update that, that Door of Hope Northeast is, is, uh, is entering kind of what we hope is a really long-term partnership with Know Me Now, trying to mm -hmm. learn from them and come alongside the, the really beautiful work that they're doing uh, in our city and beyond. And I just wanted to have Hoshiman on to sort of, um, yeah, give us, give us the lay of the land about what, what, what they do and how we can be involved. And so I'm just going to throw a few questions to him and and we'll go from there. Um, yeah. So Hoshman, first of all, just, just give us, uh, well, maybe, maybe first give us just a quick overview of the contingent and then specifically what Know Me Now um, focuses on. So at the contingent, we like to say that we're a group of people trained for action. So, and when we say trained for action, um, we're, we mean every word of it. So we're any, when, when things come up, come about in our um, community, we believe that we can mobilize the community to do some of the some of the greater good and some of the work within the community. And so that's meaning going out and mobilizing volunteers to, you know, work with when we had um, the first COVID shutdown, we created um, My Neighbor. When we went out, we were finding um, basic needs, fulfilling basic needs for families who, who didn't have clothing, didn't have um, shelter moms and dad who lost their jobs. We just adapted very quickly, built my neighbor and we're, my neighbor is still working right now. And so we were able to um, successfully um, help so many different families through their trying times when um, other organizations were, were doing work, but we were actually right there and just flipped and started doing it in, in a matter of seconds. So I like to say that at the contingent, we're a group of people trained for action. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so Know Me Now uh, was 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 an initiative that caught our eye. Um, but give us give us awesome. the people listening the uh, 
just the brief overview. What do you guys do? What's what's the vision? What's the heart behind it? So I mean, when you think about Nomi Now and what we do, Nomi Now aims to reduce prison return rates in Oregon um, by building family-centric support systems in the homes, um, in the neighborhoods um, um, that empower the transition, transitioning person's right to change and to enhance their legacy. So, I mean, really we focus on redemption. When you think about Nomi Now, our uh, mantra is, as I was, as I am, as I can be. So really just taking it um, full swing, your, your, your stint within incarceration, as you're being transitioning out of um, incarceration, and as you become that person that you knew you could always be, that, that, that redemption portion of it is what's so significant to us. Mm-hmm. And for us at Know Me Now and at The Contingent, this wasn't something that we just decided that one day, hey, you know what? We're gonna um, we're gonna just work with men and women who are incarcerated, who have kids in foster care. It was it was a lot of research. So we launched Know Me Now in January seventeenth of two thousand and twenty. So roughly six seven months ago, we launched Know Me Now. But prior to that, our leadership team did a lot of research work, and a lot of research work around kids who are in foster care, who have parents who are incarcerated. And so we did a full stint research on the top 10 reentry programs in the country. Mm-hmm. And as we looked at those top 10 reentry programs in the country, there was something that was very significant about all of them. And the one that we locked on was from the Midwest. And the one thing that they focused on was wraparound services for moms and dads who are coming out, which is what we call crews. Mm-hmm. Is that walking alongside a mom and dad as they're being transitioned from incarceration to being back out in the community, what does that look like? Yeah. And that was that was the one thing that that stood out to us. And so we decided to accept that model and that was the birthing of Know Me Now. We wrote a concept paper to say, hey, here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're looking to do. Here's our vision. Here's the mission of Know Me Now. And right now we're, we're just feeling the conviction and the power of God to just like continue this work because we know it's needed. We've yeah. done the research and we know that it's needed. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Um, well, well, maybe give us just a quick overview of some of the some of the different kind of kind of things that you guys do tangibly, specifically things that volunteers can get involved in. Just kind of give us the breadth of it. So I'll tell you, I, I, I'll frame it like this. So as Know Me Now, there's three different um, focus points. There's the child, there's the parent, and then there's the Department of um, Correction. And so within that those three focus areas, there's so many different things that we're doing right now where volunteers can get involved. So when we talk about the child, kids who are in foster care, who have parents that are incarcerated, don't have that one-on-one time with their parents. Mm -hmm. So our vision was to create a mentorship program. And that mentorship program would give pair one-to-one matches with from from a mentee to a mentor and this mentee and this mentor relationship will build 
and these kids will get one visit per month with their mom and dad who's incarcerated and we would train and, and the know me now team along with the mentor would transport this kid on a monthly basis to visit their mom and dad who are incarcerated now along with that as being a part of a mentorship we're looking and we're asking um, volunteers to work with these kids for about one one to two hour one to two hours a week mm -hmm. this mentor will have the opportunity to go down with this kid on his visit and really get to understand the dynamics of what is it like to be in foster care have a mom and dad who's incarcerated and how do we rekindle and re, re, rejuvenate and rebuild that relationship between the mom and the dad mm -hmm. and when you think about that these kids who are having these visits with their parents they don't get to bring anything nothing when they walk in to have a visit with their mom and dad they get to bring nothing they can't walk in with any toys they don't have anything that they walk in with is just a kid walking into this building and they're having that visit so what we created was an on-ramp for volunteers to get involved with we call it <clears throat> connect kits and a connect kit is a 12 by 12 box identify by gender age appropriate and what's inside that box is we have toys we have um, books we have journals for kids to log their time with their parents games that they can play with their mom and dad because we know that in to empower a kid is to have them interact with their mom and their dad in a way that's connecting mm -hmm. and that connect kit may be something small but what's inside those boxes is something big because it gives that kid an opportunity to connect with the mom and dad and build that relationship not wait and we're not waiting until mom and dad is released from incarceration we're, we're building that relationship while they're incarcerated so as they yeah. come out that transition is already there we've already did the groundwork we've laid the groundwork and that connect kit is a way for us to lay the groundwork for those kids we also have new beginning bags. New beginning bags are a way for us, as we, as I know, as working in um, foster care and working at the Department of Human Services for many years, I know that I can self-identify when someone's being released from um, incarceration. They have a plastic bag over their shoulder with just the belongings. So what we feel like at Know Me Now, we want to make sure that we celebrate someone coming home. Mm -hmm. And when I say celebrate, we're talking about really putting together a duffel bag, items of um, gift cards, flashlights, um, toiletry items, you name it, games, books, journals. We have all of these things in that bag so that when this mom and dad walks through those gates, they feel loved. And they know that someone on the other side has been thinking about you mm -hmm. and they care about you. We also have letter writing. We've asked multiple um, volunteers, church groups, civic groups, um, just mom and dads, families to write letters. We write letters to the Department of Corrections, the um, staff members, because they work daily and tirelessly with the families that we're involved with. So we ask um, moms, to, and we're not asking you to fight, a, 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 we're not asking people to write full-on letters we're asking you to just write a thank you note saying mm -hmm. you are loved someone is thinking about you 
hang in there. And, wow. and, and I can tell you from experience what that does. I had a mom call me and said, my, I'm the only person that's writing my son right now. Hmm. And I saw your program and I saw the work that you guys were doing. And I was just wondering, wondering, is there any way that you guys can help? And so what I did is I reached out to some church members. And so we have him signed up on a monthly um, letter receiving at his um, facilitation right now, at this facility that he's housed at right now. And you know what he said? He wrote, he called his mom and his mom called me back and she said, you know what? You just don't know what that note meant to him. I was like, explain to me. She said, he has, he got that note. He was so happy. He showed it to all his other inmates and they were like, wow, well, I don't have anyone writing me. Like, how, how can I be a part of this? And so now we're looking at Nomi Now to launch a letter writing campaign for a note writing campaign for all of these different facilities where we can just get people on the list, get their SID number, uh, state ID number, and we're sending them just notes every month so they have that connection with the outside world. That's I mean, and for me, that's powerful. That's powerful because it's letting people know that, hey, when, you, when you're released and you are making that transition back into our community, there's people who have been thinking about you along the way. And 100% of the kids and adults who are incarcerated at CRCI, which is Columbia River Institution, they're coming home. 100%. All of their inmates will be coming home within two years. So I know there's going to be a need for, for, for us to write letters, to do those um, to new beginning bags. There's going to be a huge need because all of those people are coming home. What would it look like if the day someone's leaving and walking out of incarceration and they look at the gates and they're walking through those gates where the jurisdiction of that facility stops and there's a group of people, five to seven adults waiting there hmm. and saying, how can I help you? We are here for you. You tell us what your needs are and we're here to walk you through the next 15 months of your life. Mm. How redemptive is that? What would you say, what, would, what, what type of feeling would you have? <laughs> I mean, because I don't, know, I don't know anywhere else where people are staying there waiting. If you don't have family members, because you think about it, when these people are dropped, when, when, when they're released, they get, they're given that little sack on their back with their belongings that they walked in with. They're walking through those gates and now their people are saying, I got to go to my probation officer. I got to find a job. I got to find a house. I, I got to find a place to live. If I don't, my chances of recidivism and coming back to this place are higher. But if I wrap around with a group of people that are going to help me navigate this world, and, and I know that I'm not alone, that gives me hope. Yeah. It's and that's what we're trying to do. Man. Yeah. It's about community. It's about community. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Well, it seems like that, that dovetails pretty nicely into this next question. We, we talked a bit about this before, but give us, give us what is, what is the single, you know, top, one or two biggest needs you know there's all these all these ways to serve there's probably some you didn't even mention uh but but in terms of need where is it most significant for a group like us i mean they in in the next couple of months they're, they're going to be 
gonna, there's going to be a lot of um, adults who are going to be released. Mm. And, and they're going to be walking back into your community, to your neighborhoods, to my neighborhood. And what other way to, um, to just embrace them and bring them back in the community other than five to seven people? And, and, and that's what we talk about the cruise. So I'm gonna give you a breakdown of the cruise and what that's all about and um, talk a little bit about mentorship. I'll talk about mentorship. Mentorship is, like I said, we're asking a mentor to come alongside with a mentee. They're gonna be walking alongside this kid, making sure this kid is getting their basic needs met and making sure that they are there once the two hours a week. And we're asking them to be involved in this kid's life for about a year. And we're asking them to they're gonna have. They're, they'll travel down with this kid as they're going to make their visit. Of course, we're not made doing any home vi any visits right now to the prison because of COVID, and we can't go. But we're gonna be doing Zoom calls. We've adapted and we've modified our um, ways of getting those um, calls done. So we're gonna have these adults be a part of these kids' life, and we're not asking them to just say, "Oh, I'm your mentor." We really want them to be involved because it's important that these kids see. Um, because these kids are gonna be vulnerable. They're coming from a very trauma-filled background, and a part of our program is trauma-filled training. So there's going to be a couple. There's going to be a couple of. There's going to be some trainings that we're asking the mentors to go through. Trauma-informed training, which is we're looking at eight to ten hours of um, within the time frame for them to actually understand exactly what they're getting into. So when I say this is a big ask, this is a big need because there's there's some there's some work involved. This is just not your typical um, mentorship where I meet with a kid one day a week and I don't talk to them until the next Monday. This yeah. is involved more heavily involved where I'm meeting with a kid, but I'm also understanding like this kid comes with a lot of trauma and we're trying to get that trauma informed training so that this mentor is equipped because I would never as a, as an organization, we would never want to send a volunteer into a situation that's not going to just conducive for them to be successful. Right. Yeah. Well, so it we seems like, like if, if without this, without thoughtful training, uh, yes. a mentor could potentially go in and, and do more damage. <laughs> exactly. And so that's what we want to avoid. We want to make sure that our volunteers who come in and work with these kids are, are well trained. And then we go into cruise. So cruise, like I talked about earlier, as a mom and dad is, is being transitioned into coming back into the community. We're asking that we have five to seven adults who will play a major role and we're asking them to be involved in this adult's life for 15, at least 15 months. But if they want to stay longer, they're more than welcome. But we're asking if you're going to be involved with this parent in this kid's life, at least 15 months, but they they're different roles. And, and, and what we're asking is that we're asking that people build their own crews, mm. whether it's to a church group, whether it's through a friendship group, whether it's through a civic group, we're asking them that if you have five to six other friends that can play a role in this kid, in this adult's life as they're being transitioned from incarceration back into the community, that's what we're looking for. And I'm gonna run through the, very quickly what the roles are. We have a navigator. The navigator would serve as a point of connection between the new neighbors, what we're calling the we're calling the um, the mom and dad who's being released back into the community. We're calling them the new neighbor. 
Hmm. Because that's a new neighbor. We're giving them a new yeah. start. So you're a new neighbor. You're a new yeah. neighbor to everyone. Every, every community you go, you are a new neighbor, and that's what we call them, new neighbors. That navigator would navigate their ability to be able to um, find housing and find community services. So, to your church family and your extended family, if you are someone and you have a group of friends, we're asking you to think about your friends. Who's the navigator? Who's the nurturer? Who's the accountant? Who's the empath? Who's the skill builder? And who's the sponsor? And I'm going to tell you, like I said, the navigator is focused on housing and community services. The nurturer is focused on helping out with support and parenting skills. Hmm. The accountant is giving them personal finances, understanding how to um, develop base, basic financial literacies. Um, the empath is someone, everyone needs a good listener. Sometimes mm -hmm. we just need, we don't need answers. We need someone to allow us to talk about what we're feeling inside. That's the empath job. We have the skill builder. Um, the skill builder is like, they, they identify strengths and interests and, and connects you with employment and, and help you tackle the barriers as you're being, as you're coming out. So when we, when we talk about um, adults being in custody and they're being released, we know that as they're coming out, they don't have the opportunity to just walk into a job. Because some people, some employment employers don't hire people who are, who have been previously um, incarcerated. And so we're asking someone to help them with those barriers. And the last is a sponsor. And a sponsor is basically focused on helping someone if they're dealing with any kind of addiction, whether it be alcoholism, drug addiction, whatever addiction they may help, helping them navigate that way so that we, they don't use that as a self-coping mechanism because things are getting tough. Yeah. Now, and I say to you, when you're thinking about your friends, your church, your civic groups, your spaces that you're involved in, think about it in that aspect. Think about it's like, wow, I know I'm, I could be the navigator, but who's my nurturer? Who's my accountant in my church group? Who's my empath? Who's my skill builder? Who's my sponsor? How do I put those six or seven people together? And why can't I do that and come walk alongside hmm. this mom and dad as they're being released? back into my community, to our community, because we always think it takes a village to raise a family, right? Mm -hmm. You are the village, the church village. You are the village, the community. You are the village, the, um, the mom and dad who are putting a group, a group of people together. It's about us. It's like the work that we do would not be possible if it wasn't for people like you saying, you know what? I love what you're doing and I want to be a part of that. And that's what I'm just basically asking people. Like we need mentors and we definitely need crew crews put together. And that's, our, those are our two biggest needs right now. Awesome, man. there just seems like such wisdom too, in the crew concept, just no one person has to carry it all. The responsibility. No one person has to carry that load. Nobody has to be all things, but you know, where you have a skill or a, you know, an aptitude, you get to contribute that alongside other people with other ones. It's, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful picture. Well, um, Door of Hope Northeast, there you go. We're, we're really excited to, to, to partner with this, with this incredible organization to learn from them. Um, and those that you, you heard it, those are the needs. Uh, and those are the needs that we're going to continue to, 
to put before our community. And uh, we're going to start praying now that we would uh, be a community that, that puts together at least one crew. Who knows how many we could potentially do um, that we, we could contribute some mentors that we'll probably try to get involved in, in the, the kits and the letter writing as well to some degree. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're excited. Uh, Hoshiman, anything, any parting words, anything you want to leave us with? You know, I, I just, I just, um, I, I would leave you with this. It's, 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 it's about redemption. We, everyone deserves a second chance. And, and that's what we're giving these parents and these kids. And what we're trying to do is break generational poverty because I know if one crew helps one family, that means, because we know it says, statistics show us that kids who have a parent in, who are incarcerated are 10 times more likely to end up in incarceration themselves. Building a crew, being a mentor, you have an opportunity to break the cycle of generational poverty mm -hmm. by giving this kid and this mom and dad an opportunity. And that's when, when you think about what's important to us, we all want to see our community grow. We all want to have that impact. And maybe some people, maybe someone who's listening to this, your impact may not be at this moment to build a crew, but we all can write letters. We all can put a box together. We all can put a bag together. And we all can pray for these families and pray for the people who are willing to go out and do this work and pray for your church members and your church family who want to put a, um, a group together and put a crew together and be a mentor because guess what it's needed mm. these families need us these kids need us these adults need us and most importantly the community that we are a part of it needs us to help these families because without us these people are coming back to our community and what better way is to ingratiate and help them as they're walking through those gates and helping those kids it, 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 it it'll mean a lot to them yeah, I'll tell you, I, I, it's like I said, it's all about redemption, mm. giving people a second chance or maybe a third or fourth chance, hoping that we have a breakthrough because we would want the same for anyone else. So I appreciate your time. I, I, I look forward to working with um, your church and Cameron. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk about Know Me Now and how we can partner. And I just look forward to getting some inquiries from people from your church and just like, I just look, I, I just look forward to uh, working with you guys um, in the next couple of months. And uh, thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for everything you do. Uh, you're a blessing to our city. Well, thank you. Yeah. All right. All right, man.